Ladies and gentlemen, how's it going? Welcome to the second episode of Digital Downtime with your host, Prince Gale, aka Gilly, aka, yeah, whatever. Today, we're going to be talking about Xbox and Microsoft as a whole and their future. And me and my friends meme about this every year, but they might be poised for a big 2024. So we'll take a look into that. Um, we'll also be discussing uh, Phil Spencer's comments about the Game Pass and how if they don't reach their targets by 2027, they might be out of the market. So what does that really mean? We'll look a little bit deeper into that. Then of course, on our weekly Have You Played This, we'll be looking at Blinks, a platformer that was released on the original Xbox, since it's an Xbox-themed episode. I want to thank everyone again for listening to the first episode. I do appreciate it. If you have not listened to it, make sure to check it out where we talk about the game award nominees and whatnot sit back relax and welcome to episode two Microsoft got hit with a pretty big leak earlier this year. Um, it was about the FTC link leak, I think, if I'm correct, yes. Um, so this kind of leaked things for Xbox in terms of more of a Bethesda output outlook sort of thing. Um, but even beyond the link, um, Xbox has a lot of exclusives in the pipeline with no clear release dates. Um, obviously, the past couple of years, their strategy has been just buying studio after studio. So we kind of got you know, yearly, oh, these are, the studios, these are the studios we've acquired now, these are the studios we've acquired now, but we haven't really seen the output of these studios yet, not completely. Um, of course, this year we saw Hi-Fi Rush, which was kind of like a surprise release, but beyond that, we haven't really seen these games kind of be put out yet. I'm thinking 2024 is going to be the year for that, right? Because... They got a lot cooking, and you know, not gonna be able to touch basis on every single title. Um, but of course, on paper right now, it seems like they have more than more than Sony. Um, you know, with the PS Five and all, Sony's strategy right now is to release bigger exclusives. Obviously, this year Spider Man Two was a big one for them, and then uh, Final Fantasy Sixteen with the timed exclusive exclusivity and whatnot. So. Sony's approach has more been about heavy hitters, and it always works for them. But on paper, right now, it seems Microsoft has more. But, I mean, that could always change. You know, one state of play could change all that. Sony could have some things cooking at the the Game Awards, which we'll see. Um, yeah, but even for next year, um, aside from, you know, FF7 Remake, uh, Rebirth, and then uh, Rise of the Ronin, uh, I cannot forget about that, because I believe that's coming out in 2024. Um, but yeah, FF7 Rebirth, uh, Team Ninja's Rise of Ronin. Then, of course, they have Helldivers 2. And then, uh, you know, Somnia Games, Marvel's Wolverine, which we are not sure if it's releasing for sure in 2024. But it could be a possibility, but it's looking like more like 2025. 
Um, but aside from those uh, two, three titles there, there doesn't seem like much yet for Sony. Um, of course, uh, Foam Stars by Square Enix, which is like a Splatoon-like. Um, I know it got panned heavily just by its initial reveal. I'm, I'm a big Splatoon guy, so obviously I took my digs at it. But I think the open, the closed beta they had, or open beta, was actually received pretty well. So the next time they have another one, I will be tuning into that. Um, I hope they surprise everyone and Foam Star is actually decent. Because Sony does need some exclusive multiplayer games. But that's a conversation for another podcast. Um, but we look at that, and then now, if we compare that to Xbox... Um, well, I guess if we're talking about games or exclusives with unknown release dates, there's also Dead Stranding 2 and Silent Hill 2 for Sony. Uh, but these might be more like console exclusives. They might even be console timed exclusives where they're on PS5 and PC from the get-go. And then later they go into, you know, Xbox platforms and whatnot. But that remains to be seen. But now if we look at what Xbox has cooking... We have Hellblade 2. We have Obsidian's Avowed, which seems like they're taking the Elder Scrolls series. Uh, an interesting dark modern folktale base game called South of Midnight. Um, and then the leak showed that Indiana Jones and the Oblivion remaster slash remake could be coming out in 2024 as well. Uh, do not forget Everwild by Rare is targeting a 2024 release. Uh... The steampunk RPG Clockwork Revolution from Inexile Entertainment could be 2024 as well. Sated Decay 3 could also possibly be making its appearance next year, but that could also be a 2025 game. Like I said, it's just so hard to know when these games are coming out. Uh, obviously, we have Stalker 2, which uh, let me just confirm is not coming out on Sony consoles. Um, that was originally released for this year, December, um, but things got pushed back. So yes, that is an Xbox slash Microsoft Windows game. So cannot forget about Stalker 2, which looks very excellent. Uh, and then, you know, obviously there's there's Fable by Playground Games, which seems unlikely for 2024. But if we just look at what most likely will be coming out in 2024, a little bit more in detail... Uh, you know, we haven't really seen much of Indiana Jones. I know it's a Bethesda title. Could be something very good. It's it's really hard to make a lot of comments about Indiana Jones at the moment because we just haven't seen anything, no uh, details, not even a trailer, not even gameplay, not even any uh, gameplay detail leaks or anything along the sorts. It's kind of hard to tell with that. Obviously, the Oblivion remake slash remaster is a big one. I am a huge advocate for Oblivion. Uh, I remember when the 360 first came out. Uh, Oblivion was the only game I had for about almost a year. Because uh, I got the 360 in 2006 around my birthday time, which is August. And then, yeah, we lived on an acreage then, like a farm. So we didn't have uh, the internet to support, you know, online gaming until about summer 2007. And that's when... I picked up Gears of War 1, which is one of my favorite games of all time, by the way. Uh, that was my gateway to online gaming. 
if you know if you, if you know me really well you'll know uh how synonymous gears of war one is with me as a gamer so damn good times uh yeah gears of war one and saints row one and saints row one's another title that was probably the best like gta like game at the time that actually did enough with activities and the insurance frauds and all the different little mini games and the very rooted street gang uh storyline that it stood out it was a fantastic title but more so the online is very underrated on saints row one because that's how i met a lot of my good friends now and then from there we started playing gears war one and now i'm going on a tangent uh but what i'm trying to say is for like a good year or so all i had was oblivion on the 360 there and uh man what a title i know bethesda's most popular elder scrolls title is skyrim and beyond that, it might just be their most, not might be, it is their most popular game of all time, even compared to the Fallouts and whatnot. But um, I think an Oblivion remaster slash remake could really introduce the game to a new audience. I think it'd be something that'd be welcomed. Um, obviously, you know, we saw Starfield, their engine isn't like mind-blowing or anything, but it'll do wonders for that game i think if they do oblivion with like the revamped art style and of course the game pass always helps um these exclusive titles get more push more reach easier so if that's in the cards for 2024 i will be looking forward to it like i said probably just game pass it up uh i personally do not subscribe to the game pass monthly now i kind of just get it when there's games i want to play like i got it for the month for starfield and then, you know, past times, you know, the $1 deal and whatnot. But uh, Microsoft got rid of the $1 deal now because the $1 deal for the month used to work for only new members. But for some reason, it kept working for me. And it kept working for other people, too, even though we're, we weren't new members. Uh, but I know they put the lockdown down on that now. So fuck you, Microsoft, for that. And then, of course, there was a lot of people who used to do the gold ultimate and then convert into the Game Pass. And a lot of people locked in Game Pass that way um i know they changed that as well now because there's no more live right it's core pass it's just a game pass core or whatever so uh, you know they figured out the people that were taking advantage and made some adjustments from there but it's all right it's okay it's okay phil spencer it's okay buddy but uh nevertheless um yeah the oblivion remaster could be big trick up their sleeve along with uh, indiana jones depending on what it is how it's gonna be and um hellblade 2 is obviously something microsoft's been cooking for a while now it's something they're focusing on heavy uh you know obviously ninja theory um i've heard mixed things about the first hellblade uh i know a lot of people love it for like how it approaches schizophrenia and the narrative as, as a whole but it's more like a double a game than a triple a game because obviously it was didn't have the budget and it was independently made but it seems now with microsoft's budget behind them um the overall scale of this game looks big and the visuals look nuts man i don't know how this game's gonna be 
as a complete package with the gameplay and you know the story, the narrative, and everything interwoven and whatnot. But I know from just a sheer visual perspective, this is about to be something super crazy because that's just man. It's just from what have you seen so far? And that was gameplay. Like it looked like it was like a CGI uh, cinematic, and then it's like transitioned right into like gameplay because you can tell when someone's moving the character so if anything the visuals are going to be nuts um, I'm curious to see how the Series S even runs this behemoth of a technical masterpiece but it seems like it's going to be so um, they're definitely playing their cards pretty heavy on Hellblade 2 and I think that's an interesting approach because if you're a gamer you'll definitely know about Hellblade 1 but if you look at it at a more, like, what's going to push our console type of game, I don't know if it's going to quite be that in terms of its mainstream appeal and push. Um, obviously, I think Starfield was the major, major title for Bethesda and Microsoft as a whole to really grab that mainstream attention. And I think they did to an extent, but I don't think they have any other title cooking that might do that. Uh, again, you know, based on these leaks, Indiana Jones might be that game, a licensed game. Um, you know, obviously the licensing is doing wonders for Sony with uh, Spider-Man and now moving forward at Ma Marvel's Wolverine. So, depending on how in Indiana Jones plays and whatnot, you know, hold on, let me see real quick. Who is who's the developer between this Indiana Jones game? Uh, upcoming Indiana Jones game from Bethesda and Machine Games. Oh, so it's a developer of Wolfenstein. Okay. If it's, de if it's a developer of Wolfenstein, um, the game might be pretty crazy. Let me just uh, browse through this article real quick and uh, see what details we even have on bottom. Uh, the Indiana Jones game for Xbox Series X is developed by Machine Games, the studio responsible for New Order and Wolfenstein 2 New Colossus. Uh, we also know that Bethesda Game Studios head Todd Howard has a hands production off the back of his work at Starfield. Okay, very interesting. Uh, while Bethesda on record saying the Indiana Jones game is very, very, very early stage development, Microsoft League suggests it's been on the cards for the studio for a while. Uh, to support its bid to get the Xbox Xbox Activision deal passed, Microsoft released improperly redacted internal documents from 2019 that prove Bethesda once hoped to get Indiana Jones out by the end of fiscal year 2022, which obviously is not what happened. Uh, we're past fiscal year 2022 now. We're past fiscal year 2023, almost. Um, so, interesting. Let's see if there's any more details about that. There was a teaser video a while back. Um, but, but, you know, you can just, like, Google Indiana Jones game teaser and you'll find the tweet. Um, it's like there's a passport, a hat, the whip, uh, a plane ticket to Rome, dated 1937. Okay, so that'd make the timeline of the game between Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones' The Last Crusade. From the date and location, we can expect Italian fascist leader Benito Mussolini to merit at least a mention in the game. 
which also hint at links to the Vatican and the U.S. government. Okay. Uh, a new Indiana Jones game with an original story is in development from our studio, Machine Games. And it will be executively produced by Todd Howard in collaboration with Lucasfilm Games, tweeted Bethesda when the game was announced. It'll be some time, that's the key wording here, before we have more to reveal. So, because this is a Bethesda title, the new Indiana Jones games could be Xbox Series X and PC exclusive. It's not a could be, uh, Mr. GamesRadar.com. It's definitely will be. <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay, so Machine, Gums, Machine Games is developing it. The original story. Um, so that's positive, because I do enjoy the Wolfenstein games. Um, now, as a listener viewer... You know, I'm not the biggest Indiana Jones game, or game, Indiana Jones fan in general. Like, I'm not, like, die hard all, you know, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones. I love, 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 love. But, because Machine Games is making it, and obviously they've worked more in the FPS realm, but they've worked on linear campaigns, and, you know, narrative-driven campaigns. This might be, like, Xbox call to action for, like, an Uncharted-esque game. Which which could do wonders. You know what I mean? Uh, I know. I think with Lucasfilm in the mix, we're hoping that, you know, Indiana Jones looks like Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford might be too old now to do, like, the mocap and voice acting and all that. It was evident by the new Indiana Jones movie that he should probably stop because that was a commercial and critical flop. But nevertheless, um, expecting Mr. Ford to record all the dialogue, you know, is a bigger leap, but it could be cool. Maybe not the mocap, but dialogue, maybe. Um, we also want to see the gameplay, right? Like I said, it's going to be mostly like an Uncharted game. Um, you know, he wasn't just, I mean, if you look at the movies, he wasn't just racing in and shooting up the place. You know, he's not fucking Rambo. Um, but obviously, there's some, there's some stealth, there's some disguises, there's some problem solving. Uh, you know, he uses a whip compared to his pistol. So basically what I'm describing to you guys is Uncharted, like I said. Um, that's not that wrong. I mean, Uncharted obviously took some grave influences from Indiana Jones, the movies, from Tomb Raider. So to have Microsoft's own version of Uncharted Tomb Raider in the, with the IP of Indiana Jones backing it, could be that game they need to really like you know push the platform or brand forward so look out for that just don't know if it'll be 2024 um but yes hellblade 2 for sure should be 2024 seems like the oblivion remaster will be as well since it's you know microsoft's probably like oh everyone already saw the fucking leak so let's get that going another interesting title here is obsidian's avowed now, Obsidian is one of those developers that will always try different things with their games. Uh, in my mind, they're the best Western RPG developers, even though they don't quite hit the mark every single time. But that does not mean they don't try. I mean, just look at their catalog. We have Knights of the Old Republic 2, Neverwinter Nights 2, Alpha Protocol, which is one of those games that was cool. I didn't really fully hit. And of course we have the fan favorite beloved gigantic colossal 
the People's Choice Fallout Fallout New Vegas. So it is not developed by Bethesda. It is an Obsidian game, but obviously they, they borrowed heavy from the Fallout 3 engine and whatnot. Fallout New Vegas, if you have not played it, go do that right now. Obsidian's best game. Of course, I mean Dungeon Siege, South Park Sick of Truth, which is a game I've had in my Steam library for a very long time. So I should be playing it. A few great things about that too. So what I'm trying to compare and contrast here is Nice of the Old Republic 2 is so different from New Vegas, which is so different from South Park Stick of Truth, which is so different from Pillars of Eternity, which is another game I need to play, which is more on the CRPG side of things. That's also fantastic. Um, which is so different from the next game, Skyforge, which is so different from Tyranny. Then you got Pillars of Eternity 2. And then you have more of the recent titles of Outer Worlds, which is like a game I did not mind, actually. Um... It kind of has a mixed approach going for it, but it's kind of like Fallout on a more miniature scale, but in space. And I actually, you know, it's what's funny is I thought Starfield was going to, because I played Outer Worlds this year too, right before Starfield, so I can prep for Starfield sort of thing. And I thought Starfield was going to blow Outer Worlds out of the water in terms of scope and polish and kind of the world building. But it ended up being kind of equivalent, which is kind of crazy, which is a testament to the Outer Worlds, because this is uh, not Microsoft published or backed. It was published by Private Division, so you can clearly tell they didn't have the budget they didn't they didn't have the budget they wanted to make Outer Worlds. But it was still a solid game, man. There's some nice, there's some interesting characters, a lot of cool. There's like this whole civil war going on on this one planet that you kind of like kind of decide for. Um, even the grand scream of things, you know, like, you're, like, this dude waking up by the scientist, or you can, like, take his side, or go the corporate route, or, like, yada, 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 I mean, without any much spoilers, but, I mean, the game's been out for, like, four years now, but, point being, there's a lot to do, there really is, which is kind of sick, um, so Outer Worlds, but, again, Outer Worlds so different from Pills of Eternity and Stick of Truth. And obviously, the Grounded has been doing very well. Again, very different. And then they released uh, Pentiment last year, which I still need to play. But again, very, very different game. It's like a 2D RPG game, and you take the control of some, you know, journeyman, I think, who, like, becomes, you know, a part of all these series of murder mysteries back in, like, the 16th century. Like, I don't know, man. Obsidian is those people, you feel me? You smell me? And it's uh, sad that they never got a game of the year nom or nothing. I think New Vegas should have been for sure. Um, I know New Vegas, by critics, wasn't as crazily received as by the players. Because obviously, it felt very similar to Fallout 3. But man, just that world and the characters. And just man, everything about New Vegas is great. Except for the poor PC performance, which you need to like patch the shit out of. I had my old PC and every time it would crash... I couldn't even use my PC anymore. I had to, like, restart my whole PC. And this is, like, when I first started streaming. So, like, my stream would be cut out for, like, five to six minutes, like, every couple hours. Like, it was interesting times, man. But, yeah. Back to the point I was making, man. Avowed. Um, apparently, same, it shares the same universe, those Pillars of Eternity. Um, it will be first person, though. And it's very Elder Scrollies. So, kind of like how Obsidian took the wheel from Fallout 3 and made New Vegas into what it is. Um, obviously, they're not just taking uh, 
hopefully they're not just taking like uh, Skyrim's engine and making this game. Hopefully not. But um, it could be their version of Elder Scrolls, which might be beloved, like how Fallout is beloved in the overall grand scheme of the Fallout universe. Um, I'm hoping so. Um, players assume control of an envoy from the Edia Empire. Uh, players can use magic, melee weapons, and firearms, such as pistols. So, no different from Elder Scrolls there. Uh, there are several skill trees, which are expected. Um, weapons can be individually upgraded. And the interesting kind of worrisome part is, while Avowed is not a full open-world game, the game features several large open zones for players to explore. Um, so, I was kind of hoping with... Uh, you know, Microsoft and the Xbox Game Studios publishing tag on this, that the budget would have been bigger because that kind of smells a lot like how Outer Worlds was. Not fully open world game, but several large open like planets, you know, regions for people to explore. So I think it's going to be similar to that. Um, as, a player, as a player explores the game's world, they interact with other NPCs, similar to Obsidian's previous game, The Outer Worlds. Okay, there you go. Uh, the game features dialogue options, which reflects the tone the player wants to convey. Okay, wonderful. Was a good part about Outer Worlds. Uh, some NPCs will join the player's party and become their companions, each of whom have their own personalities and combat skills. Players can explore the game's world and complete quest, quests with two companions at a time. So this is just sounding more and more like uh, instead of their Fallout New Vegas to follow, and this being about Elder Scrolls, this is just seeming more like This is seeming more like, you know how I was describing Outer Worlds as being like a mini Fallout? This is sounding like Outer, this is sounding like Outer World, the Elder Scroll edition, if that makes sense. This is starting, starting to sound like more like a mini Elder Scrolls, but that necessarily can't be a bad thing. Um, so this is definitely set to be released in 2024, so that could be a big one, so make sure to stay tuned for that. Um, and then, of course... Um, there's this game called South of Midnight, which, uh, might not be on everyone's radar, but it's, um, it's by Compulsive Games, and, um, I'm trying to think what game they made, man. Compulsive Games had that one game, man. You guys know what I'm talking about. We Happy Few. We happy few. Um, obviously, the studio is made of uh, ex-Arcane Studios developer Gulamin Provost. Um, yeah, We Happy Few was the big one. And then this is going to be the first game since uh, Microsoft bought them, which was back in E3 2018. Holy shit. Um, it's going to be their first game since then. So this is what I mean, man. They spent years and years acquiring these studios. They acquired the studio back in 2018. They're finally releasing a game now. Holy shit. It's like six years later in 2024. Um, but yeah. South of Midnight. Um, there's a Steam page for it. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the trailer for it. But the trailer was like that weird dude like playing the guitar. And that like Pond River thing. And the chick like goes up to him like, yo, what's up? I don't know if that makes sense. Um... Yeah, it's going to be a third-person action develop 
third-person action-adventure game set in the American Deep Dells. Uh, the main protagonist you play as Hazel. You explore the mythos and encounter creatures of south- southern folklore. Very interesting. Um, you know, typical hometown disaster strikes. She becomes a weaver, which is like a magical mender of broken bonded spirits. So she has all these new abilities. And you gotta save her town. Um, but seems very cool because you usually don't have your you don't usually have the deep deep south as your background for a highly uh, mythological folklore game. Um, so that could be very promising. Um, from Compulsive Games, so stay tuned for that one. That definitely seems going to be in line for 2024 as well. And then, uh, like I said, there's also Everwild, uh, which uh, keeps getting delayed over and over. And, um, you know, the conversation about Rare uh, is definitely like be its own entire podcast really um, obviously rare is one of the greatest game developers of all time um, but since microsoft uh you know acquired them back in the day what like 2002 three let's look at their track record real quick they've had uh i think the first game they made was grabbed by the ghoulies let me see uh grabbed by the ghoulies was the first rare game to be published by microsoft after rare was brought bought out from nintendo so, Grab by the Ghoulies might be uh, on the Have You Played This segment one day because very interesting game. That was the first one. And then, obviously, from there, they did Conquer Live and Reloaded, Perfect Dark Zero, Viva Pinata, which is one of my all-time favorite games. Uh, the Viva Pinata, Trouble in Paradise. Banjo-Kazooie. Nuts and Bolts. Just looking back at it now, it was actually a decent game. Uh, initially, Killer Instinct, well, under supervision of Rare. Uh, then they came out with the Rare Replay, and then Sea of Thieves, which over time, you know, became a really good game. So, give credit where credit's due. And then in 2020, uh, they oversaw the production of Battletoads 2, which was kind of disappointing. So yeah, Rare's been interesting since it's been acquired uh, by Microsoft. Obviously before that, they were like the king of the 90s. With uh, the original Killer Instinct 1 and 2, the Donkey Kong Country trilogy, GoldenEye 007, Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, the list just goes on and on. Perfect Dark on the N64, Conker's Bad Friday. Um, just an all-time goaded uh, 90s developer. And really, I think they kind of just carried, 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 carried the N64, man. They really did, man. Just just like, man, GoldenEye 007 itself, Banjo-Kazooie, Perfect Dark, Banjo-Tooie conquers Bad Fur Day. Uh, But they also conquer the Super Nintendo days because the Donkey Kong trilogy alone is so good, man. So hard, too. Um, so never fully, uh, rule out what Rare could be capable of. Um, obviously Everwild is, um, not something we've seen a lot of. I know it's going to have, like, cel-shaded art style. Um, it's going to be an action-adventure game. A few details have been announced. Uh, description of his gameplay have been varying based on different reports. Um, so it's supposed to be a third-person adventure game. The elements taken from God games. So, 
who knows? I'm just looking around the internet right now. Apparently, saying recent reports suggest the game has no combat whatsoever, which is kind of interesting. Uh, according to a video game report by Andy Robinson from the Video Games Chronicle, shout out, shout out Andy and uh, VGC. Uh, Everwild will be more of a Viva Pinata-like game, a survival game than the earliest earlier trailers hinted at. What? Yo, that just got my this this is gonna be kind of hard right there. No, I'm not gonna cap because I love Viva Pinata. He also stated that he hasn't looked into it in a while, but if Greg Mills is taking lead, you can be very confident that it will turn out great. So let's look at Greg Mills. He's a creative director for Rare. He's been working there since 1989. Holy smokes. So, he worked as a designer on Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3. He was a director for Banjo-Kazooie. Holy shit. Okay. Designer for Banjo-Tooie. Designer for Grab by the Ghoulies. Uh... Designer for Viva Pinata, director for Bender Kazooie Nine and Bolts, and a director for Sea of Thieves and designer for Sea of Thieves. Uh, and then he's going to be the director for this game. So, very low three games directed completely, but he did direct Banjo Kazooie, he did direct Banjo Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, and he did direct Sea of Thieves, which obviously over time became a very good game. So that could be promising. Uh, don't know much about it, but could be promising. Promising. Obviously, back in twenty twenty one, it went to, it went through a complete reboot because um, the game was initially shown in twenty nineteen presentation. So then two years later, it went through a complete reboot. So maybe three years is enough time. Hopefully. Um. But yeah, Everwild development team is now optimistically targeting a 2024 release. So I hope that is the case. I really do. Because that sounds more and more interesting to me. Uh, what else do we have cooking for 2024? Um, I think those are the main hitters. Hellblade 2, Avowed, uh, South of Midnight, Everwild, um, Obviously, Clockwork Revolution could be another big one. Uh, this one's from NX NXL Entertainment. And I believe these are the developers behind Wasteland. Yes, they are. So, obviously, very into RPG-heavy, top-down CRPG, turn-based kind of style. Clockwork Revolution, obviously, when it was first showed, um, a lot of people were calling it a discount Bioshock Infinite. Similarities are to be made. Um, but yes, it's described as a time-bending steampunk first-person RPG. Um, you know, you, you stumble across an adventure that allows you to travel to the past, you discover the city you call home, um, and then you go through different alteration of historical events to kind of bring things back to norm, I guess. But traveling back to key moments, interaction, and choices will have a butterfly effect on the deep, narrative-driven worlds and characters of Avalon, causing them to change and react in unprecedented ways. Now, I'll tell you this. First-person RPG, you know, they're always seen more 
familiar with the turn-based style and whatnot, so we'll see how they adjust to the gameplay. Um, but this team um, obviously was a part of the original Fallout 1 and 2 as well, and uh, obviously they made Wasteland from there. So, if we're looking at narrative-driven worlds and characters, they're definitely going to land, land, land and deliver on that aspect. So that's what makes me excited about this game. Could be another big one for 2024 if it does release in 2024. So, look out for Clockwork Revolution. And then, of course, uh, Stated, Stated Decay 3 as well. Uh, announced back in 2020. Like I said, this is a big issue with Microsoft right now. These games have been announced for what seems like ages now. And uh, we just do not know if they're for sure going to be coming out in 2024 or not. But yeah, State of Decay 3. Um, I played the first one. Never got a chance to play the second one. Um, but yeah, State of Decay 3. I'm looking at a recent article here now by Game Rant. Uh, new State of Decay 3 release rumors, bad news for the fans. The rumors suggest that State of Decay 3 might not be released until 2027. What? Indicating a longer development period for the highly anticipated game. Previous controversies surrounding Undead Labs and a toxic workplace environment have raised concerns about the studio's development practices. While State of the Case 3 release may be delayed, Microsoft has a strong lineup of first-party titles set to be released in the coming years, providing variety for gamers, which we've been talking about this entire episode. Um, wow, 2027 is kind of crazy. But yeah, even this article mentions, there's of course, well, For the Motorsport already came out, um, but it mentions Avowed, Clockwork Revolution, most of the articles keep forgetting about Stalker 2, and then whatnot. Um, yeah, there's plenty of variety. Okay, so, I guess we won't talk much about Momo State of Decay 3. If you haven't about State of Decay, you know, the zombie survival game, well, you know, with some building elements and whatnot, sim elements, so check it out if you have not yet. Um, the, the leaks also, the FTC leaks with Bethesda and Xbox also mentioned, uh, a new Doom game in development, but I doubt this comes out in 2024, uh, but whenever it does come out, 2025, I would say, you damn well know Microsoft's gonna <laughs> keep that exclusive too, like a PC, Xbox only, so that'll be a heavy hitter. Um, I think, uh, Microsoft's acquisition of Bethesda is obviously gonna give them a lot of more Big heavy hitters compared to like you know the uh, the requirement of these other studios, but obviously, um, Obsidian and Excel are good ones too. Uh, deeply rooted with the Western RPG atmosphere, so um, compared to Sony, uh, you know once these games start kind of rolling out, um, they might have that sphere unlock the Western RPG hemisphere. I I sure hope they do. That's probably one of my favorite genres. I mean, I love my JRPGs too. But I love the decision making and uh, open endedness of Western RPGs. So they could be they could be there. Um, what haven't we touched upon? We haven't touched upon the Fable game, which is developed by Playground Games, aka the Forza Horizon devs. Um, but it's hard to say what Xbox has planned for Fable and some of these other bigger games. Um, but we'll see. 
that's kind of Xbox's motto right now. We'll see. Um, but I can safely say I hope Everwild, Clockwork Revolution, and then Hellblade 2 and Avowed, and South of Midnight, and Stalker 2, so what, that's like six titles, will all be 2024. All in a very diverse lineup as well. Um, you know, Hellblade 2 being more of a third-person narrative-driven, Avowed being kind of like Elder Scrolls, right? We don't know how South of Midnight's going to look. Uh, you know, Stalker 2 is a FPS single-player game. Same thing with Clockwork Revolution. After a while, no idea what it's going to be. So it's a very diverse lineup. I'm looking forward to it. Um, then, of course, um, with that being said, if you compare that to what Sony has for 2024, um, I know comparisons are dumb, but that's what everyone likes to, you know, the console people like to argue about. Um, obviously, for them, they have uh, FF7 Rebirth and Rise of the Ronin. And Helldivers 2, and then Wolverine, whenever that comes out, might not be 2024, and then Stars. Um, so, so, I mean, like I said, I feel like, on paper, the variety and the interesting new IPs and stuff are coming from uh, Microsoft's end, but then obviously it's hard to compete with, like, a FF7 Rebirth, right? And we'll see how Team Ninja's, or Rise of the Ronin is as well. And then, you know, Helldivers 2 could be good. Foam Stars, we'll see. Obviously, Wolverine's going to be a huge title as well. And then you have, um, you have the unknowns, right? Like, we don't know, like, what Sucker Punch is doing. Ghost of the Sima 2 could be on its way. Um, you know, obviously, Guerrilla Games has been heavy with the Horizon, but maybe Killzone can get rebooted. Um... We definitely know what Naughty Dog's been doing, and we're going to say that for another podcast, because i got a lot to say about Naughty Dog, but um, it's going to be very interesting moving forward for both got consoles. Um, obviously, the Game Awards, like I said, previous episode, if you have not seen it yet, we discussed all the nominees and whatnot. Um, while the Game Awards, I think, you know, obviously presents all these awards, I think the Game Awards 2023 is also kind of like a winter E3. A lot of people tune in to see uh, the reveals and uh, world premieres. Um, so usually there's some exciting moments at this event, so maybe Sony will be cooking up some shit there. And then obviously there's some good, uh, multi, uh, multi-genre, multi-genre, multi-console, multi-plat, there you go, multi-plat games. Um, there could be Alone in the Dark reboot, Prince of Persia, Lost Crown, Tekken 8 in January, and four, four or so. So, a lot in the pipeline for Xbox in 2024. Hopefully it's all going to come into fruition. Because uh, if it doesn't, we'll be talking about Phil Spencer's comments next about Xbox maybe exiting the gaming industry by 2027. Stay tuned. Alright, so it's no, no surprise Xbox is uh, very uh, Game Pass heavy. Uh, relying on the game pass to get bigger and bigger to keep you know its foot in the gaming industry and then um you talking about the ftc leak earlier um there's going to be you know a new xbox series x variant coming and uh, even the next console generation is set for a 2028 release but um phil spencer predicted that subscribers aren't where they need to be by 2027 could end the mark of microsoft's activity in the gaming business very interesting comments uh, currently, Xbox Game Pass is available on Xbox consoles as well as PC, uh, with the latter having the lowest number of subscribers. Uh, one of Xbox's goals for the future is to increase subscribers on PC as much as possible. Um, 
the thing with the PC Game Pass is it is cheaper than the console Game Pass or like and or the Ultimate. Ultimate kind of gives you both and cloud gaming. It is cheaper. The issue with PC gaming is there's just way too many fucking launchers. Um, you know, Steam is like the place where a lot of people feel comfortable. And then you throw this Xbox Game Pass, which historically has been horrible with the Microsoft Store and whatnot. Um, I feel like their new app is a lot better in the, you know, the past year or two. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the launchers. People are just tired of playing all these launchers, right? You already have Steam, and you have this, and then you have Epic, and then you have Ubisoft Connect, and you have EA Play, then you have Blizzard.net, and then you have yada, 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 and this, 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 and uh, it's too much, man. You can't do PC to kind of like streamline these processes but now like even your pc kind of feels like a console because you're launching all these different fucking games from different uh platforms so they kind of feel like their own and then your games are split up across all these libraries and then of course you can just get god galaxy and streamline all your you know games in one place but i tried to do that but i don't know it's like again it's like getting into the interface with that so it's kind of a lot of people just like Steam or, Steam or nothing, right? And, and rightfully so. Steam's been there for a while, right? Um, so I think that's kind of part of it. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, let me quote Phil Spencer here. He said, I can safely say that if we do not make more progress in this off console, we would exit the gaming business. Just where the outcome, I don't believe, would still be in the business. Um, it could be a long shot comment, because I mean, obviously... The next generation consoles are currently in development by Microsoft, and obviously they're going to be made with uh, the Game Pass in mind. So adopting kind of like a cloud hybrid system that make most of the gaming on Xbox entirely digital. Um, and I know there's also reports the company wanted to bring cloud streaming to PlayStation consoles, but obviously there's no way in hell Sony would ever accept that. But maybe, maybe you know, never say never. Maybe in the distant future. You know, when Xbox drops, like, their, their competition approach and their hardware approach, and they become, like, Game Pass offer heavy, maybe. But if they're planning to release another console, and that's never going to happen. Because, yeah, Sony's just going to always view as a direct competitor, right, for trying to compete in hardware with them, so. But yeah, I just thought it was very interesting comments. Uh, do you guys think that this will be true? Do you think? You know, if if the Game Pass numbers aren't where they're supposed to be, uh, Microsoft will ditch the Xbox gaming brand by 2027. I doubt it. Like I said, if they don't get to where they want to be numbers-wise, Game Pass-wise, they might ditch, like, hardware. And, you know, Xbox is, like, a console competing brand. Might be gone. But I think Xbox will always exist just, like, as a brand on its own. Whether it goes into publishing, like, you know, how Sega did eventually. Or, yeah, publishing, or they start putting all their Marvel in Game Pass. Game Pass is on PC, and Game Pass is on PlayStation. And for whatever Nintendo games can support, you know, Game Pass is on the Switch's successor. And then now the Game Pass is integrated into Steam, which I think would drive huge numbers. I know I've talked to so many people, my friends, other people... Um, you know how, like, EA Play is integrated into Steam, and if the Game Pass was integrated into Steam, where you just, like, pay your 11, 12 bucks a month, and then you can just, like, get all the games through Steam, like, it'll be like, oh, like, it has, like, an available, it has, like, an available on Game Pass tab, and you just click that, and it becomes a part of your, like, how EA Play works. Um, but obviously, 
on the back end of things, you know, the logistics and financials behind uh, Valve and Microsoft to make that work would probably be a lot of work. Uh, but I think that'd do wonders. I mean, the target they're trying to hit is they want to be they want to surpass a hundred million subscribers by twenty twenty nine twenty thirty. Um, it could be possible. Like I said, we talked about these promising exclusive titles coming out. So obviously, all these Xbox exclusives are day one, and obviously, their third party AAA titles play a big factor. Which they have been killing it lately, man. They like the, like the new Like a Dragon came out there day one. Dead Space just got on there. Um, like I said, Game Pass is something I'm gonna subscribe to pretty soon here. Um, since I have a job and I can afford it now, and I actually see games of value I want to play. Um. Yeah, it's very, very interesting comments, so we'll see. Uh, but let me know what you guys think. Like I said, uh, if you're on YouTube, drop a comment on Twitter. You can follow me at digital down pod, yeah, at digital down pod. I know it's a tricky uh, Twitter handle, but that's kind of what all I could do given the character limit and what was available. You can also hit me up directly uh, at GillyPG, that's G-I-L-L-I-E-P-G, on Twitter or Instagram, or on Twitch or wherever. Um, I also have Digital Downtime Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to email me your comments or concerns or anything beyond that, um, we'd love to hear back from you. Um, just overall about the conversation today about... What exclusives are you excited for that the Xbox brand is launching? Do you think they're all going to be coming out in 2024? Um, will Xbox actually exit the gaming industry by 2027? If they don't hit their metrics, this is all to be remain seen. But uh, obviously it's a fun conversation to have. But we're still not done yet. Of course, um, stay tuned for our Have You Played This, which features a very, very interesting title that was available on the original Xbox. So let's see how many of you guys remember it. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second edition of Have You Played This? Today, we're looking at Blinks, a Time Sweeper, which is developed by Artoon, published by Xbox Game Studios. Um, this dev team worked on a game called Penobi Wings of Adventure as their first title for the GBA. And then, obviously, Blinks, the Time Sweeper, was, like, their biggest one. Uh, they made a sequel to Blinks, Blinks 2, Master of the Time and Space. Um, from there, worked on more uh, Nintendo Advance and DS games. Uh, they eventually ended up making Blue Dragon on the 360 as well. Very interesting. And they haven't made a game since 2011 now. But, uh, yeah, Blinks, a Time Sweeper, only on Xbox, uh, was released on October 9th. 2002 um and uh, the xbox released november 15 2001 i believe so about a little under a year after um it was kind of xbox's response to the heavy hitter sony was putting out at the time right so the response to jack and jack jack and daxter and the ratchet and clank and the crash bandicoots and the spirals and all these platformers sony was pushing out of course, Nintendo, obviously, strong Donkey Kong and Mario Presence 2D and 3D to that point. And then, obviously, they had the Banjos. Rare was going crazy at that time. The platforming scene was wild, 3D and 2D. 
from like the 90s to like mid 2000s and obviously now there's still a resurgence the triple a realm and indie games have been killing it too but that's not the point the point is blinks the time sweeper was specifically made so that microsoft can kind of have their own crash their own little mascot in the platforming uh genre and um you know it wasn't a bad game you know wasn't the best game I ever played. Um, I think it was a game that was kind of overlooked and it wasn't what Xbox was hoping the game would deliver, right? Um, like I said, it, it, you know, Blinks didn't become like Xbox mascot or anything. Like, you don't think Xbox and you're like, oh man, Blinks, you know, you think of Master Chief or Marcus Phoenix or Forza or, you know, something along those lines. You don't think, oh, Blinks, right? Um, so I think it failed for the high expectations they had. Um, but yeah, it was a fun game. I was an action platformer. You had this little vacuum cleaner thing. Um, you can like sweep up, you know, that's why it's called time sweeper, sweep up some shit. Obviously collectibles were big, you know, gold crystals, cat metal, cat metals, time crystals. And you can shoot out the trash too, if I remember correctly. Um, and then I remember how the main gameplay loop worked, but I think if you got like three of the same crystal or whatever, um, you can, like, control time or whatever, something like that. And then you can, like, reverse it, speed it up, slow down, pause, etc. So that's some interesting elements to it. Um, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think on the development, uh, I think Artune, uh, let's see, more about the devs here. Yeah, it was founded in 1999 by Sonic the Hedgehog designer Naoto Ushima, alongside other various Sega developers. Uh, the team loved the idea of a cat that could control time, especially in combination with the processing power of the original Xbox at the time. So they combined and worked on the game. So uh, Metacritically set it set about 71. Um, looking at some big hitters here, IGN gave it an 8.8, GameSpot gave it a 6.3. Uh, game Informing is 7.75, Electric on Gaming Monthly 7 and 10. That's about a game I'd give around a 7 to as well. Um, but I think it's, I think it's worth the play. Um, obviously, last week with Spawn Armageddon on Have You on have you Played This, it's definitely a more discreet game than I think this. Um, but I think people forget about Blinks the Time Sweeper. And like I said, on this like Xbox, Microsoft themed episode, I thought it was appropriate to bring it bring in total. Um, GameSpot actually gave it the number six at the most overrated games ever in 2004. <laughs> That's hilarious. But yeah, obviously the game looked really well. That's one thing I remember as a kid, because growing up, I had a PS2 uh, during this time era. And then like a little shortly after I got the GameCube, um, never had the original Xbox, but my cousins did. And I'd always just go over there and play. Um, I remember there was a period of time where I let them borrow my PS2. And they let me borrow their Xbox because they really wanted to play God of War and stuff like that, I think. And then I took that time to play all the games they had. Like, you know, like I took that time to play Blinks of Time Sweeper because I didn't have, you know, an Xbox. Played Halo 1, the campaign. Uh, Shenmue 2. Uh, Chronicles of Riddick was another one, I think. And then a few other. Xbox, 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 Xbox is cooking a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, the graphics were really cool, but like... I didn't go into the gameplay too much because it's kind of difficult to explain how the, the time control worked. Um, but yeah, the, the, the time control was a little bit kind of diff difficult to, you know, navigate through. Um, but yeah, I think eventually the game entered the Platinum Hits range. 
And then, I don't know if I did super crazy commercially, but, um, yeah, you know, GameSpot said the players get a sense of relief from completing a level rather than enjoyment or satisfaction, so take that how you will. You know, you get relief instead of satisfaction or enjoyment. Uh, it was a runner-up for a GameSpot's most disappointing game on Xbox award. She went to Toe Jam and Earl 3 instead. Uh, AGM, which gave it a 7.5. Out of ten, uh, found to be a little tedious and repetitive, but the, but they believed issues aside, the unique style and play mechanics made it stand out. Um, and like I was saying earlier, GameSpy suggested that Blinks was proposed to be the possible mascot for the Xbox system, rivaling Nintendo's Mario, Sega Sonic the Hedgehog. And since the main character of Halo Combat evolved, Master Chief considered to be too violent. Uh, the officials wanted a friendly furry face to lead the sales among the younger clientele, but. As we already know, due to the game's unpopularity, never achieved the suggested goal. And Master Chief is unofficially seen as a mascot, even to this day. Um, but yeah, interesting fact here, Blinks was at one point proposed as a mascot for the Xbox in Japan. So yeah, man, Blinks a time sweeper. It released. It was a platformer. Had some interesting concepts, go concepts going forward, but I don't think the execution is quite there. Still, I think it's a fun game. Like I said, 7 out of 10. Uh, like, I the same thing. You know, a lot of these, like, have you played these games? Have you played this? Or have you played these games? It's kind of hard to get your hands on now, just like last week's Spawn Armageddon. But, uh, you know, there's ways to play the Xbox, like I said last week. If you know, you know. Um, the great thing about Xbox is they also have wonderful backwards compatibility support. So if you do own a Series X... Um, maybe you can try finding a copy of Blinks and checking it out for yourself. If not, you know, there's always YouTube and whatnot. So that's this week's, uh, have you played this game? Blinks, the time sweeper, Xbox attempt at creating a massive mascot and platforming competitor to the Ratchet and Clank's Jack and Daxter's Mario's and whatnot, but just quite failed to capture that audience. So good attempt Microsoft, but the game is not forgotten as we're still talking about it today. So. But yeah, that goes all for episode two. We discussed um, X Xbox's 2024 release window, what they have cooking, what they have in store, and the potential for greatness is there. Let's just hope they finally deliver, because they have been cooking for a while. Let's just hope all this cooking actually makes the final meal or the final dish that much more better we will see we also discussed the possibility of them exiting the, exiting the gaming industry by 2027 to fail to meet their game pass projections then of course on have you played this we discussed blinks a time sweeper again a microsoft exclusive from the past that wanted to rival the great platformers at the time the great mascots at the time but, in, but didn't quite do so uh, again this uh, episode was hosted by your boy Gilly, a.k.a. Well, Prince Gil, a.k.a. Gilly, a.k.a. You know, the gaming nerd, a.k.a. The Punjabi boy, the Punjabi playboy prince, a.k.a. The mocha skin manimal, a.k.a. Yeah. Catch the drift. Um, so I've learned a little bit more about podcasts. So I guess what I'm supposed to say is uh, make sure you uh, save this on... Spotify and Apple Podcasts, add it to your library or whatever. 
make sure to uh, leave a rate, review, whatever. All that fun stuff on YouTube, same thing. Like, comment, subscribe. I do appreciate all feedback and any feedback in these early stages of the podcast. Um, next week, we will probably be d- diving deeper into this uh, Naughty Dog conversation that I mentioned last week. So, I think next week's episode is going to be dedicated to Naughty Dog. Uh, talking a bit about their legacy and why they're one of my favorite uh, developers of all time. Which disappoints me on what they're doing currently for the PS5. To have an in-depth conversation about all that, you know, you know how what they meant, what they mean for PlayStation, and what they did during the original PlayStation era, PS2 era, PS3, PS4, and what they aren't doing for the PS5, unfortunately. So I think that'll be next week's conversation. Uh, but as always, if you want to connect with me, like I said, digital downtime podcast at gmail.com. You can also follow on Twitter or whatever X it's called nowadays at digital down pod. Um, to reach me, it's just Gilly PG, G I L L I E P G on all socials. Uh, so, uh, Twitter and Instagram and Twitch and my own YouTube as well. Uh, so many, many ways, uh, to contact and get in touch if you're, uh, for any feedback or whatnot, I would appreciate it. Um, we also currently are looking for sponsorships and advertisements, that kind of ordeal. So if you're interested in that, you know, you can contact me on the many platforms I just listed. Um, and also, if you're looking to be a guest on the show, same way, just make sure to reach out. Um, we can talk anything gaming at all. Uh, that's what kind of what the, the podcast is about. So if you're looking to be a guest, just give a shout out to me. Like if you if you follow me on Twitter right now or, or have me on Discord, just give a DM or whatnot or reach me through the email. But yeah, that's going to be it for episode two. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, I played around with the audio a bit more, so hopefully it sounds a bit better than episode one. Um, like I said, just let me know. We're we'll always be making adjustments on the technical side of things to ensure the best quality for our listeners because without y'all, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have started it. So thank you once again. Um, yes, Gilly out. And see you next week on Digital Downtown. <laughs>